What's going on, everybody? Glenn P. Brooks Jr. here. I'm an author, I'm a speaker, and I'm a coach. And I want to welcome you to We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. I get the opportunity to add value to entrepreneurs, business owners, and ministry leaders, both on and offline. This episode is going to be no different. Stick around, and we're going to get started right now. Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm excited to be back with you guys with another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. We are still talking about the story behind the brand today. We feature a young man who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. As a matter of fact, he's one of my coaches and uh, met him a number of years ago, and I was enamored by how focused he was and how he showed up. I was more enamored by his backstory. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about him. We're going to introduce him in a second. But in a recent uh, blog post on HuffPost.com, contributing writer Flynn Coleman asked this question, why are stories so powerful? Well, they're more memorable than facts, number one. The other reason is, is that our brains are wired to respond to stories. Metaphors and anecdotes help us to relate to ideas uh, to our own experiences, providing richness and texture. Uh, stories bring you and your listeners into a multidimensional world full of colors, sights, smells, emotions, making us feel as though we're actually living the story. On today's edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast, it's my honor to uh, bring up a brother who has coached me through some really, really uh, tight situations. He's an executive coach. He does a ton of work in the diversion, um, I mean, the uh, the the inclusion uh, space. He'll tell you all about it. I'm getting my words twisted up uh, so that I don't mess it up. Let's go ahead and introduce my guy, Jay Ross. We call him Jay Ross. His name is Jesse Ross. Coming to us live from the Twin Cities as we're recording this live on clubhouse what's going on jay ross how you feeling brother i'm doing great doing great how are you glenn i'm good man i'm good right off the break i want you to introduce yourself to folks tell them who you are what you do why you do it and who you do it for and and jesse one of the things that i think people need to really understand is that there's a reason why you do the work you do and it was informed by how you came up uh, some of the things that you were exposed to so today i kind of wanted to go down that road go back down memory lane and bring us up to speed who is jesse ross what does he do why does he do it who does he do it for and let's get it i love it i love it a great day good people uh, my name is Jesse Ross. I think on uh, on this platform I go by Jay Ross, but uh, my government name is Jesse Ross. And uh, I'm an executive coach and a diversity inclusion leader. Those are probably just two of the main titles that I carry. Most importantly, I am a husband and I'm a father uh, and I'm a community member. And so uh, I help small businesses and institutions and organizations increase their productivity and the results. And I do this because along my professional journey, which I'll kind of get into, um, I was looking for some help, some support, and an opportunity to progress, but I could not find any uh, opportunities or anybody who was willing to help me. And so now I want to be able to provide that um, for other people. So I'm super grateful to be here. And Glenn, uh, kick off the question for me one more time, just yes, so I can sir. make sure I hit you right. No worries, no worries. So one of the things that I know about you is that you do a lot of heavy lifting in the community development space. Uh, you've come from the ministry world, um, working with nonprofit organizations. These are the things that I know. Um, I also know that um, you are an incredible speaker and communicator. You do that for Fortune 500 companies uh, regularly uh, in what we would call your day job, which is your business. 
Um, but what I also know is that you grew up um, in, a, in a really, really um, tough environment, um, particularly as a child. And uh, you experienced some things that not many kids have to, God forbid they ever have to. But I also think that it's also shaped you as a husband and as a father, and ultimately as a brand ambassador for one of the things, for, for the things that you do. So let's go back a little bit, Jay. Uh, let's talk to people a little bit about, you know, how you grew up, some of the things, uh, tragic and good, uh, that you experienced, and how has that informed your brand? Uh, I love it. So, uh, short backstory, uh, I was born in Jackson, Mississippi, way down there in the country. Uh, my mama went to Jackson State to go Tigers and uh, moved up to Minneapolis when I was a baby. And so um, while I was uh, raised and lived in Minneapolis and in Twin Cities most of my life. Uh, my parents are from the South. And so uh, that great migration from the South to the North to try to figure out how to you know, get out and do something different, uh, my family was a part of. One of my aunts was one of the first folks that left and then my mom followed suit. And uh, growing up, uh, I didn't have a, I, I would say, I don't know if it's a typical or atypical home, but uh, my parents were never married, they were together. I only had one kid between uh, with, between the both of them. And so uh, my pops was like around, but not really around. I grew up with my mom. That was normal for me. And uh, she was very active in the community. And so she worked with the uh, Minneapolis Urban League, um, ended up becoming really good friends with the first black and female mayor in Minneapolis, Mayor Sharon Shells Belton. And then there was a guy named Gary Suddeth, who was the executive director of the uh, Minneapolis Urban League. And uh, those three, my mother, Gary, and Sharon Shows Button, pretty much partnered and employed most of the black folks in the city. So I was a kid under the table uh, at, in the meetings with, with the city council folks and all the head players, you know, playing with toys under the table, but really just learning what it meant to build relationships, what it meant to take care of our people, and what it meant to really, uh, you know, build capacity and resources. Uh, fast forward a little bit, my mother ended up having some kind of health complications and around the fifth or sixth grade, um, I got a call that said that she had been taken to the hospital and that she had later, um, a day or two later had passed away. So around 11 years old, I lost the most important person in my life. Uh, grandma came up from Mississippi and said, yeah, you coming back down South with me? And I was like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. And, uh, my pops again, he was around, but not really around. He stepped up to the plate. And so there's nine of us on uh, for my dad, and I was the second youngest. And um, I commend him, man. He didn't he didn't really raise any of his kids full heartedly, but he definitely uh, stepped up to the plate and, and took the responsibility of raising me and my younger brother. And so while he did that, it was a a culture shock. I shifted from you know super loving home. Uh, you know, mom cooked, shoot, you know, not just Thanksgiving and holiday meals. It was, it was like that probably four out of the seven days of the week uh, to just going to my dad. And my dad was a man's man. Uh, went from just me and my mom and maybe somebody living with us uh, to uh, my father, his twin brother, his son, my little brother and myself. So five guys in a house. Uh, my dad didn't really know how to, he didn't really uh, make sides. <laughs> He was like, I'm going to grill you some meat and eat you some bread and get some out of the can. And so it was just a, it was a complete difference. We didn't have a great relationship. Uh, fast forward a little bit again to about uh, sophomore year and playing sports, feeling, feeling really good about life. Uh, but at home was, uh, was a mess. And um, my dad was going through a transition. So I ended up leaving. I literally packed a bag like y'all seen in the movie, uh, called my homeboys. It was like, y'all need to come get me. I packed a bag and jumped out the window, smooth out the window. Uh, it could have broke my leg. It was super dramatic. You know how kids be. And um, 
to me, any place was better than being at home. And so I literally bounced around from friend's house to friend's house to friend's house to park beds to sleeping in a um, shelter for youth, shelter for homeless folks. Um, I've slept in almost every park in the city of Minneapolis, which is why I know how to get around so well. And um, kind of just, you know, navigated my way. Luckily, along that journey, while I was still going to school, ended up meeting a couple mentors uh, and youth leaders that kind of took me under their wing. They provided kind of a safe haven for me to stay uh, my the end of my junior year, senior year, graduated high school. And then um, had some, some educational issues. Was a great kid, played sports, but um, was not... Uh, the most, I would say, likable or popular kid. And so I ended up losing um, a scholarship because of uh, some stuff that the school did and didn't allow me to take my my finals whenever I transferred. And so I was just trying to navigate and uh, took a year off, worked, then went to a school, uh, a local private school. Nobody told me that it was super white. (laughs) And so I went there, hated it. Uh, transferred, went to a school that I really liked, but I couldn't pay for it because I didn't get as great a financial aid, and I stopped. And so I pretty much had uh, bounced around. I went to five different colleges before I was able to, to kind of find my lane and uh, finish. Um, and then most of what I think is important about my upbringing is, is what I mentioned about my mother, um, with her kind of community organizing growing up, but also my father. He literally, when he took me in, uh, you know, or took up the responsibility of making sure he was going to show up in his fatherly duties, he he literally changed his entire world, right? So while it wasn't like immediately, he stopped drinking, he stopped hanging out, he uh, always had a job, always had a hustle. And so I tell people where I, the person I am today is literally from both of uh, what I saw my mom model what to do and then what I saw my dad model what not to do. He didn't really do a good job of telling me what to do, um, but he modeled like, hey, here's the life that you don't want. Um, and, and I really just took those and kind of ran with them. So that's kind of the background story. And, and it's really why I love people. I love community. Um, I, I tell people all the time, my three core values are integrity, relationships, and transparency. So um, I learned integrity from both of my both of my parents, right? Do what you say you're going to do. Show up and be the person you say you are. If you tell somebody you're going to be there at five, be there at five. Um, and I haven't always been a person who's been a man of my word, and so that's an important thing to me. Uh, transparency, told you I'm, I, I, was, I was at least born in the South. My parents didn't really have that Minnesota nice is what we call it. Uh, I don't know fluff. I don't know passive aggressive. I'm a very direct communicator. And so transparency, when I'm real with people, that's important. And I find that that has been a value. And then relationships. My mother used to always say people are important to God, so they should be important to you. And I took that and probably ran with it. And Glenn, that's probably why you're one of my peoples, man. <laughs> Listen, uh, if you're just tuning into this podcast, I'm talking to Jesse Ross. Uh, He's an executive coach, you guys, and many of you all are hearing for the first time, particularly if you uh, are hearing this as we're recording it live on Clubhouse. Uh, Y'all know Jesse uh, from this application, but you didn't know that. And, uh, bro, you talking about some things that I've known about, but now it's posing some different questions, and you kind of leaned into it. And I was really, I legit had written down this question, what lesson, uh, while navigating life, all of what you've just talked about, has taught you the most when it comes to how your brand has been developed? So I want you to think about, you know, what is your brand today, your personal brand, your professional brand, how you show up and serve? 
if there, and I'm sure there were many, but if you could grab one lesson out of the many that you learned that kind of informed you the most relative to that brand, what would it be? What would that lesson have been? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say uh, my mother had these sayings, and you know, any any of us remember kind of them old school moms or, or dads. You know, we had, we got sayings for days. My mom used to always say, "Know whose you are, know who you are, and whose you are." So that first, know who you are, was you know, develop a sense of identity. I think my my parents both did a good job individually um, to create the uh, who is Jesse Ross, right? What are the values you want to? Uh, be known by um, what what's the type of person you want to become uh, don't follow the crowd I was always taught to be an individual but then whose you are which really meant uh, you know you're a child of God so don't be out here doing things crazy but also uh, you wear my last name so don't be out here embarrassing me and I, I took that to heart um, it, as far as it comes to developing the brand and navigating life I think I, I think it's so important for us as individuals for us as business owners entrepreneurs but just humans to know who we are, right? Uh, you know, if you're a person of faith, there's there's an identity that I think should be found in, you know, who you who you worship, who you pray to, uh, who you look to. But also, there's a lineage that we all come from, and because I was fortunate to see that in real time so early, right? My mother passed away when I was 11, but to me, I had 11 strong years of watching her build this persona of who Jesse Ross is and should be as it pertains to my community, as it pertains to my relationships with people, as it pertains to how I treat women, as it pertains to how I show it for those who may or may not have uh, what I have. And that's helped uh, me, I would say, uh, be very consistent, but also have a sense of pride in the things that I uh, that I do. And so when I'm working with companies and working with brands, I, I, I do a lot of stuff around corporate uh, corporate community work. I do a lot of stuff even now with um, some national brands. I don't have to be, um, I would say, enticed by money or enticed by an opportunity because I know who I am. And I think often in this world we're living in is people, they chase money, right? They're chasing the, the greener grass but I'm good watering my grass. I'm good if I ain't got no grass because I just had that of sense of pride of knowing who you are, uh, who I am and who was I am. I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm talking to Jesse Ross, executive coach and uh, diversity inclusion leader. Jay Ross, a lot of the things that you've done and the work that you get to do um, not only is really diverse, but often it pulls on different skills. Um, I think about the community uh, development work you do, particularly there in Minneapolis. All of us uh, had a chance to witness on a global stage uh, the murder of George Floyd. And, and uh, there were some uh, ancillary things and some peripheral things that were reverberating throughout the community, uh, both before and after that experience. Um, can you talk to us just a little bit about like when you have to stand in a place of authority and you have to speak to authority, a lot of us are really, really, really um, tempted to shrink back. What causes you to stand up and speak to? Um, what causes you to stand up, speak to, and not only do that, but then serve the thing that you're speaking to? So it's not just this shouting match that you're having. It's an, it's an actual conversation that you're inviting people to a table. How, how do you do that, man? And, and what do you pull on to make that happen? Man, you know, I, 
I would say part of it is that that value piece of the relationships being built. Uh, I want to believe that people know me, people that know me know that if we're going to be at the table, even if we're going to disagree, I'm going to disagree in a way that's going to be honorable and respectful, but also make sure that we are bringing in the perspectives of other people. And so to your point, right, being here um, at what I would say was the, the, the spark of everything that happened globally, uh, mostly in, you know, in 2020, and not to, to take away from any other situation that happened anywhere else. But after George Floyd was murdered, uh, there were, I think there was a shift in our world and our culture around community development, around recognizing privilege and recognizing um, who's at the table, who's not at the table, and who needs to build a new table. And I think part of where I get that from is is really, you know, that upbringing, that foundation that I kind of mentioned. But also, I've, I've always been okay not being liked. Now, I know that may sound, um, as arrogant as that may sound, I don't do it for likes on Instagram or followers on Clubhouse or or even, you know, money that that brands can throw at it. I do it for the satisfaction of recognizing, like, can I live with the decisions and the, the comments and the statements that I made day in and day out, right? I, I'm a father and I'm a husband. And so the only people outside of God that, I'm, that I really, really, really care about that, um, you know, at the end of the day are the folks that I'm responsible for in my house. And at the end of the day, if you can walk away from a conversation and say, you know what, I did exactly what I was supposed to do. I said exactly what I was supposed to say. And while it may not felt like amazing, I feel good about it. I remember I called Crystal um, a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was a month ago or so, um, about a conversation with a client that I had uh, that was that wanted me to do some work, right? And this is in the long line of predominantly white organizations and companies that have reached out to probably all of us who are listening um, in some way, shape or fashion, right? And I left the meeting feeling like I didn't kill it, right? I, I probably, I, I couldn't walk away feeling like, man, you know what? I killed that, they're gonna hire me. But I had this sense of like satisfaction that I, I gave exactly what I wanted to give, right? I told them who I was, what I was about. I was not willing to compromise things that they, you know, they wanted me to spell out an answer for them right away and give them a verbal proposal. Um, I walked away feeling really good about that. And I feel like that is all because of the groundwork that I was able to do and knowing what are my values? Who am I and what do I stand up for? When I walk into a room, I recognize that I'm this little black boy that most people overlook, that people still overlook. But I, I don't worry about being overlooked. I worry about, you know, is God pleased with how I show up? Is my family pleased with how I show up? And most importantly, I would say after that is, is can my community, you know, when it's all said and done, be pleased with the work know, that I've done, knowing that I thought about them before I thought about my own personal work? Wow. Wow, man, you are leading me right into another question. It'll be our last question today. And I know we started about, you know, kind of digging into the past and kind of what brought you up and how your brand has um, taken off as a result of what shaped you in your childhood. And we went there. We talked about Jesse Ross, the the brand and what you mean. I want to digress just a little bit. And you made this point. Proudest moment as a dad. Proudest moment as a dad. Talk to us. (laughs) 
Ah, man. That's a great question. Proudest moment as a dad. I don't know if I have one, but I'll give you a couple quick ones. Um, As we're recording this, uh, two nights ago, I had an opportunity to take my daughter on a daddy-daughter date um, to a game with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, uh, I'm not, I'm a sports fan. My daughter is not a huge sports fan. And so I was kind of like, ah, she might want to go. She might not. She wanted to go. And not only did we have a great time, she pretty much talked. And this is a 11 year old, beautiful little black queen. Uh, she talked almost the whole entire time, right? Asking me about basketball, asking me about people. And we got some frozen yogurt, all these different things. And to see the excitement on her face, not from just spending time with her dad, but to know that, yo, if anybody got my back, my daddy does. And and, and that's kind of, you know, in, in paraphrasing what she said, I would say that's one of my proudest moments. I would say um, uh, my I got a bunch of kids, y'all. So you got to listen. And I got six if you count my nephew. Um, three of our oldest kids are um, from my wife. And so we have a blended family. I would say our oldest daughter, who's 19, um, while she's trying to navigate and figure out her own adulthood, um, she stopped by on my birthday not too long ago and wrote me this letter, which she usually writes me a letter. Uh, she'll give me a gift. And she just wrote a note that just said, you know what? I know I may not always show it. And I know sometimes I, I don't do you know what you tell me to do, but I'm listening and I know exactly you know who to go to when I need you. Like that, that, that buttered my biscuit. Um, and then I would say maybe... Um, my youngest son, uh, who is eight at this moment, uh, I've been able to spend time with him over the last, uh, two weeks. He had to do some distance learning because of some, uh, family kind of health complications we had. And to be able to just know, um, I've been sitting in on his therapy sessions and to hear him talk about, uh, our relationship from his point of view, it just, it, it literally, it's just like, that's why I get up in the morning. And so, I mean, Glenn, I would say you've modeled uh, a lot for me as a father and how you show up as a husband and just in community. But yeah, I, I love, I tell my wife, I hope she's not listening. She will listen to this at some point, but I love being a dad more than I love being a husband. And she knows that. I think that's why we still married. Uh, but I just enjoy, um, those are just a few of the moments. Uh, my nephew who lives with us, who's not my biological kid, he's a kindergartner. Um, I was with him. Shoot, as probably the 24 to 48 hours before he even came into this world, I was holding his mom's hand when he came into this world. And he lives with me. And he, you know, Uncle Jesse, you know, is is his primary real male role model. Like that, that soothes my soul. So uh, there's probably 10 other things that I could give you, but I'll try to give them to you in a quick, quick moment. No, man. And let me say this. You did a, 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 an incredible job, a fantastic job. Ladies and gentlemen, if you guys have been listening, um, this is Jesse Ross, and uh, he's an amazing human being, um, an amazing dad, uh, loves being a dad more than a husband. Not many husbands will say that out loud. I absolutely love this guy, and many of you guys now know why. I'm convinced, Jay Ross, as we finish out today, that people don't do business with you because of what you do. They do business with you because of why you do it. Um, you've definitely shared with us today what your why is. Uh, let's go ahead and forward think a little bit. How is your why, how has your why informed uh, your life 10 years from now? How has your why informed your life 10 years from now? Let's talk about that a little bit and we'll be done.
Ooh, wait. So, you know, it's crazy. If you had asked me this maybe two or three years ago, I would give you a, complete diff- a completely different answer. Um, so I would say I am literally trying to think about uh, not just what's the legacy that I'm going to leave uh, for my family and for my community, but what can, like, how much good, like, I talk a lot about how do you, how much do you add, how much value do you add? Um, I consistently think about, like, you know, when the saying is, when they come for me, right? And they will. I don't know who is, who they is, but somebody's coming for me. I don't know if they're going to come and try to take me out, if they're going to try to slander my name or uh, say I did this or stole it. I don't know what it is, but I, I just anticipate some type of opposition. When they come for me, I want to be able to have enough people around me to do one of two things, right? One thing, if you read the headline, they're going to be like, yeah, yep, that was Jesse. <laughs> he said, if you walked up on him, you know, this is going to happen. If you mess with his kids, somebody in this circle, that would happen. Yep, that makes sense. I'm going to go ahead and bail him out real quick. Uh, and then the other thing I want people to know that no matter if it was five minutes or five years, five months, uh, however many decades, right, that I genuinely gave you everything that I got. And so whether it's people coming over my, our house, uh, whether it's, you know, the, the 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 new mom at the school who has the same bus stop as my kids and we build a relationship, whether it's a job interview or just a quick, you know, word of encouragement, a text, whatever that is. Um, my why is really about legacy. So the same way that we talk about Martin Luther King and Frederick Douglass and all these influential folks um, in our in our history, in our history, I want people to talk that way about me and my family. Not like, oh, this is how much money they made, but like, look at the good and the 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 feeling that you get when you bring up the things that I was connected to. Like, how you make people feel has really fueled me, and so um, that has kind of changed where I want to be. You know decades from now, 10 years from now, whatever that is. And so that means that I'm, I've had to shift. Um, and I know people have been, you know, using the word pivot a lot during the pandemic in 2020. I would just say I'm in a season of sifting and shifting. So, you know, for my faith folks to, you know, there was some, some, some lines and some scriptures where uh, people were being sifted, right? I'm going to kind of move some things out of your way. I'm going to kind of, I'm going to kind of prune this and that is a not so easy position people uh, have seen you know my own personal life but I'm also shifting from um, I would say a narrow focus to a very wide range focus where I'm being introduced to people that I never even thought I would be in a relationship with um working on projects that I could have only literally dreamed of. I'm working with clients that I never even imagined would be in my wheelhouse, but I'm most importantly being able to see and say, here's the impact that I'm going to be able to create 10 to 20 years from now if I just stay in this lane. And so my vision has gotten bigger because I believe the calling on my life is really great. And I've always known that and people have tried to tell me that. I just feel like I'm now embracing that. And um, I just feel like we don't necessarily need another one person leader like an Obama or whoever that is. I think collectively, 
when I walk into the room and, you know, our coach says we make the ground shake, I genuinely believe that my energy is contagious. And so for if it's the five minutes, if it's the five days, the five hours, whatever that is, I want to be able to walk into this room, whether it's in Clubhouse or other rooms, and be able to say, you know what, 20 years from now, what we what we are talking about, the conversations that we're pushing, the, the nerves that I'm getting on are going to be able to say, you know what, it, it made it a better place for people um, across the country, but also for people who look like me, who was that little black and brown boy um, who didn't have the resources. So that's kind of what has shifted for me, and um, I'm super excited. I'm getting to getting ready to work on a project that's uh, it's a lot of money involved. <laughs> More money than I thought it would be, but I'm, I'm grateful and I'm excited. Well, there you have it, guys. Fulfilling the vision, impact that makes the ground shake. Jesse, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for popping up and popping through and uh, sharing the story behind the brand. Um, and I think that quite frankly, man, people's lives are gonna be so enriched um, one of the things I love about podcasts and creating content that lives in infamy long after we're gone, somebody's going to hear that and they're going to say, yep, yep, he made that impact in my life. I appreciate you for coming through, man. Thank you so much for, for, for coming through today. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Well, I'd like to thank you guys for joining us once again for another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. Uh, be sure to download this, and if you need to connect to us any kind of way, uh, you can reach us at www.glennpbrooksjr.com. At the end of the day, y'all already know what time it is. You cannot get to any place of significance by yourself because we all need some help. Y'all be good, and we'll talk soon.